Welcome to the Analytics at Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. Uh, today we're going to be continuing on our discussion uh, from last episode with regards to free agents upcoming this offseason, specifically to look at the running back position. Uh, before we get started on that, just want to uh, remind you that the Analytics at Dynasty 2020 edition is on sale at analyticsatdynasty.com slash shop. Uh, there is it's available there for $30 it'll be available for download on January 18th so a couple weeks from now uh, it'll be the weekend of the AFC and NFC championship game Uh, the weekend you'll be able to delve in there will only be two games going on that weekend so you have plenty of time to dive into the book and start doing some trades and thinking about startup drafts and all those sorts of fun dynasty things this time of year uh, you can get jump started on that with the analytics at dynasty 2020 edition um, in addition i have a sale running right now at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop uh, the 2019 edition if you haven't purchased that you can get it now for the reduced price of 20 dollars uh, has a uh, it'll give you a good foundation on startup drafts rookie drafts a variety of different topics trades um, different types of player profile ideas um, a lot of giraffe pedigree stuff in there um, and you know just so you know it's a, it's these two products are different right this isn't just a um, college textbook edition update a couple numbers and return it out as a new edition it's totally different stuff um, a lot of the same strategy a lot of the same theory a lot of the same um, direction it's pointing in but there's a lot of different topics over these two books. So um, both options available for you at analyticsatdynasty.com slash shop. Um, and if you're looking for more audio content, you can find patreon.com slash analyticsatdynasty. Uh, I just recorded tonight a uh, patron show with one of uh, a Patreon show with one of my with one of the patrons. He has an upcoming startup draft, some really unique formats and um, different theories and uh, a lot of different ideas going on in that draft. Uh, it's, it's, it was really interesting. We talked about it, um, recorded it, and put it up on the Patreon side. So you get a look at that, and um, it's uh, it'll be some good opportunity for some new data in the startup draft season. Um, you can find that over at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. Um, all right. Diving into the running back free agencies. I think there's a couple of players at the position that are really, really impactful, both for themselves and for the ancillary players that they might affect. So um, let's start with uh, Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is um, an unrestricted free agent. Missed games earlier this year because of his contract status. Came back, wanted to get the year of... Uh, service under his credit so he could enter free agency this year not on the tag uh, and has had an up and down season um, you know I was looking at some not expected points added uh, from number fire earlier this week and between Melvin Gordon and Eckler uh, Eckler outproduced Gordon in terms of both rushing and receiving uh, and just 
add a lot more value to the offense at a significantly lesser cost. So, um, yeah, we'll see how uh, Melvin Gordon uh, is treated in free agency. Um, some of these things haven't gone great, although you, know, you get teams like the Jets who find themselves as buyers on Le'Veon Bell last year um, and now are unhappy with him. Um, so there's always there's one in every crowd that will buy a, a running back in his mid-20s. It's got some mileage on him uh, at, you know, uh, $12 plus million a year salary. So uh, we'll see what the market looks like. Uh, one of the things I, I – am interested in and i think in a couple other players it's it's um even more impactful uh is there's not a lot of landing spots you know the the 2017 class was good the 2018 class was good 2019 filled in some needs it wasn't the it wasn't the deepest class or the most elite class at the top, but there was some spots that got taken up in terms of Chicago and Philly and, um, and um, now the, the Raiders going to Vegas and uh, you know, some of the backup spots got filled in and Buffalo with Devin Singletary. And you just keep looking around and the, the position is good right now. And there's, a, I think, a lot of good players, whereas that, and that might not have been the same three, four years ago, it was a little bit, it was older and not quite the top end talent. So there was more market uh, demand for these, uh, these high end running back talents. And uh, so I'm, I'm really interested to see how that plays. I was, uh, I ran some, I ran uh, some Spotrack information on Melvin Gordon. They project him as, um, as being uh Worth an average salary uh, about eleven point seven million dollars four years for almost forty seven million dollars, and notably, and what I'm what I'm what piqued my interest was the four contracts that they compared him to, which are uh, Devonta Freeman. 2015, 2016, uh, Ty Gurley, 2016, 2017, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 2017, 2018, and David Johnson, 2016 to 2017. Those are the seasons before those uh, four running backs were extended. It's kind of the the era we're talking, right? I mean, and Gurley came off massive seasons uh, in terms of when when he signed his contract extension. But Freeman was a was, uh, a good running back in a down era uh, and actually posted a running back one finish and, and one of the lower running back one scoring seasons uh, in recent memory. Um, David Johnson as well put up a running back one season, but these are, these are off of big years and in lesser running back quality eras. And Gordon just a down, it's a down year and, you know, it's I, I just wonder how much competition there truly is and demand there truly is for him. Um, is he going to have people, multiple people negotiating with him? Uh, he sounds, it sounds like he's going to be out of uh, the Chargers. Now, they might be in for a rebuild. We'll sort of see what their, what their approach is. But they have some questions at quarterback, and they have a lot of uh, questions they have to answer. But Melvin Gordon is, is a I think for a lot of reasons that the market might be lesser on him than uh, than he might expect. So Melvin Gordon's a big one. Um, uh, for similar reasons, Kenyon Drake is 
Um, although I think he's his fits a little bit more into this this NFL in the past centric, uh, more of a, a a space player, satellite player. Doesn't have quite the mileage on him as uh, Melvin Gordon does. He just seems to fit this era of the NFL a little bit better in terms of his skill set, um, in terms of what he does, and with the he has done really well in Arizona and could potentially be back there. What's what's scary for Arizona is the David Johnson albatross of a contract. It's he's under contract again next year. It's not a movable contract. Uh, who's going to trade for him? I with the with a I think it's fifteen million dollar cap hit. I mean it's just it's just a it's a it's an albatross of a contract. Um, and there's just not really a way for them to get out of it. So they're going to pay Kenyon Drake and basically load up you know, $20 million worth of cap numbers uh, between two running backs. Uh, I'm not sure. So, But uh, he has been the better player uh, so far this year, uh, or the, particularly the later part of this year for Arizona, and they seem to like him. So uh, there's some potential that maybe he's back there. I mean, that seems like it would be a really good fit going forward based on how they used him but there's question about what they'll do with David Johnson and it just seems like a bitter pill to swallow to take all that cap hit if you're Arizona on two running backs um, Derrick Henry is another another big name player I think he's back in Tennessee I mean he's it seems like of of all of these players he seems like the most system dependent and and run heavy isn't a big time receiver uh, and they want to tout the rock and be a bell cow running back offense uh, that that seems to fit what he does uh, and he has been particularly good over the past two well, one and a half seasons really at the back half of last season and into this uh, into this season he has been really good leading the league in rushing so he's he's hitting a high note entering free agency uh, the question is again what what type of demand is there for a for a we talked about Gordon being a, um, a lesser, he's not the receiving-centric role. Henry's even less of that. And I just wonder who's going to pay $10-plus million a year on the free agent market for, for a Derrick Henry. Uh, I suspect that he's back there, and he fits what they want to do. Uh, and there's not a ton of teams that want to do that now, You know, that want to be that, that you know, run-centric uh, approach. It's not really today's NFL. So... He is where it seems like would be the best fit for him. Uh, Spotrack does have him uh, $11.4 million a year, uh, four years, 45, almost $46 million, just a little bit less than Gordon. Um, and to close the loop on Drake, it was $5.5 million, so a lot more reasonable. And uh, it actually fits more into what – what today's NFL is at half the price. So Drake seems to be the value there if that's what's going to hold on the open market. Um, some other names, uh, just to go down here, uh, for for receiving-centric players, uh, Chris Thompson is a free agent. He's struggled to stay healthy um, and just has been in injured throughout his career. Theo Riddick is on uh, IR, has been on IR for most of this year. Uh, he is also a free agent. So I, I like some of what he did in Detroit. I thought they could have used him a little bit more uh, when it was him and Amir Abdullah as uh, a tandem in Detroit. They 
could have used Riddick to do uh, more things that I thought they just um, that they missed out on with him. I thought I think he's a pretty good player, although it's it's a pass centric satellite role, um, and Jalen Richard as well. Um, so those are th- three receiving options that they could be hitting free agency uh, in 2020. A uh, couple keep going down the list here. I sort of broke these down into tiers. A couple guys that I'm interested in um, of of possible bigger roles than they've seen. Um, I guess is the easiest way to put it. CJ Proslice in Seattle, oft injured, uh, day two prospect, two way player, both uh, running and receiving, prototypical size. Hasn't really ever put it all together. Hasn't stayed healthy. It's a crowded backfield. But we have seen running backs from Seattle uh, basically get cast off and be players other places. Alex Collins, Bo Scarborough, uh, just to name a just to name two off the top of the head. I mean, th- th- they are good at getting running backs in there and and a lot of them and sometimes they have to go other places and uh, you know process hasn't helped himself by not staying healthy but he is uh, the type of player that hasn't proven yet that he can't play it's just that he can't stay healthy and if he can stay healthy he, he has two-way ability and a lot of these guys with these running backs further on down the line, you don't even necessarily need to have 16 games of a running back like C.J. Procise to be impactful. I mean, just look at Raheem Mostert this year. He had a league-tilting upside for periods of time, and it wasn't you – know, he's not going to show up on any top 24 running back lists or any, you know, any season-long award things. But for a brief period of time, he – got really hot when it mattered the most. You know, I think back to Damian Williams from a year ago, and um, and actually that's when Derrick Henry got hot as well. But I think back a few years before that when Tim Hightower went off in week 16, right? These guys that have two-way ability that can play, uh, even if it's in limited sample sizes, can have uh, pretty high impacts on your dynasty roster and your dynasty championship chances. So process is a guy that I am interested to see where he goes. He's reminds me of like a lesser version of TJ Yeldon, sort of that two way ability. Um, and it just seems for a 10th of what you would pay a guy like Gordon, uh, maybe even a 20th of what you pay a guy like Gordon, you could take CJ process or, uh, TJ Yeldon's still under contract in Buffalo, but that type of player and can do, uh, things that can, can help a team, uh, more than, um, at a per dollar basis, more than the, the $12 million running back. Um, Jonathan Williams had a brief stint in, uh, Indianapolis before, you know, it, it going the genie going back into the bottle on that one. Um, he's a free agent, so person to watch. Uh, Devonta Booker uh, is a classic example of don't draft a day three running back in the first round of your rookie draft 2016. He was a, basically right about the 11th pick in uh, ADP. Classic example of don't do that. Um, it was a it was a down class and those sorts of things. But uh, non power five school goes on day three. Uh, people say oh situation and he gets a situation sort of flames out. Um, now significantly cheaper and but again prototypically sized some two way ability. I questioned some of the athleticism. He didn't test coming out of the combine. It's I call it the Devonte Booker rule. If it's a day three. 
if it's a if it's a non power five conference and they uh, don't test, assume that they're not going to test well. <coughs> um, so he's a he's a free agent and could potentially land as a receiving centric or a as a two way stopgap down the roster RB three type and a different a place other than Denver because he's pretty blocked there with both Lindsey and uh, Royce Freeman. Um, some vet, some veterans, uh, Peyton Barber, he's a little bit more of a interior runner, uh, lacks the big time athleticism, but has been functional in Tampa Bay. Um, I always joke a guy like him ends up at some point on his career scoring 13 touchdowns for the Patriots. Um, they have a backfill, so it doesn't seem like that's actually, uh, anytime soon, but I, I like him as a guy that sticks around. Uh, people don't love him as a player in terms of the overt skill set, but there's something to be said for uh, some dependability at the position, um, a try-hard guy, a uh, good story. Uh, he strikes me as a player that is going to stick around longer than his pedigree would suggest just because of the dependability, functionality, um, and him as a uh, as an teammate, uh, him as a coachable player, all of those things. He strikes me as the type of guy that's going to stick around probably longer than people anticipate with his with his uh, actual physical profile and on-field um, on production. Whether that's in Tampa Bay is a different story. I mean, I think with uh, with Tampa Bay, it's it's Ronald Jones has a good opportunity if, if Barber goes someplace. He also might get uh, Trey Mason in the sense of he hasn't really done a lot. Um, you're sort of getting to the point where a day two running back, if they haven't really done it after year two, uh, start to trend in a pretty n- in a negative direction. Um, is this a team that spends uh, on a day two running back that's better than Ronald Jones? Uh, there's a lot of running backs on day two this year. I think they're going to be better than Ronald Jones. Although, uh, as a as a person that didn't like Ronald Jones coming out of school, I've liked what I've seen out of him. So uh, he's gotten bigger and he's gotten uh, the ability to catch the ball, um, do more things. He's grown as a player since he came from USC, Um, both physically. I think he's physically matured and his game has matured. Uh, Just hasn't really turned into fantasy, big time fantasy production. But he's a player that I, I, I have questions about and I, I, I think that there's more talented running backs in this class that that could go later on day two um, that could unseat him. So, um, so Barber will be interesting to see if he maybe lands back in Tampa Bay uh, or goes someplace else. Um, but I think there's there's ripple effects from that move. Uh, Wendell Smallwood is a free agent. He was uh, coveted by Washington. He's a free agent as uh, a more of a depth guy, special teams guy. Um, almost a, an older version of Peyton Barber type of player that, that seems to uh, make coaching staffs like him. Um, Ty Montgomery, he was a disappointment. I, I thought you know, a couple of years ago he just went crazy for the first two or three games of the season. Big-time value, uh, top five running back through that through a short portion of the season um, as a wide receiver convert in Green Bay and then gets hurt and he hasn't really done much. Uh, he ended up getting cut by Green Bay, ended up in Baltimore. Uh, he's basically a third uh, running back behind the Jets. Uh, there's probably something there that he's basically the anti-Peyton Barber. He, things keep 
going in the wrong direction for him. You sort of wonder what, what the opposite version of that is. He, he seems to have more talent than he has actually gotten opportunities or earned opportunities. So that's a, that's uh, the negative. It's almost the flip side, bad version of the Peyton Barber, get everything out of what you have. Um, Montgomery has seemed to leave it on the table a little bit, but um, receiving, you know, a former receiver uh, and now a running back, uh, has that two-way ability and has shown it in short sample size. So, um, but I, it's concerning that he was uh, cast aside by Blau Powell this year. Um, some veterans, Lamar Miller's a free agent, uh, one of the better day three uh, running back picks in the past decade. You know, people people rag on Lamar Miller a little bit, and he's a uh, I think he's a good example of a lot of things. He was uh, a running back that wasn't used a lot in Miami. There was a there was a popular refrain: "Use Lamar Miller more." We see more Lamar Miller. They had him essentially in a in a committee and didn't didn't really roll with him. He then gets a full opportunity to go to Houston, and then we saw why they didn't use him as much. Right, and he uh, wasn't the explosive player on the huge the huge volume, but. Be, became a pretty good volume player, uh, one of the better day three running backs in terms of uh, production. Basically, it's him and Devonta Freeman in terms of day three guys to really have sustained sustained success um, at the position with each of them having four plus top 24 seasons in their career. Uh, so Miller is a good example of you know, sometimes running backs fall and we get in love with um oh you know this player landed in a good situation and then i always point to the fact that lamar miller is like the best and people are like oh well that's <laughs> it's not quite as uh rosy when you think about day three running backs um but he's had a good career coming off an injury we'll see maybe signs a one-year prove it deal fortunately for lamar miller the injury happened earlier in the off season um so he's got a full uh, have a full year to recover before week one uh it's not like it was a December injury or something like that that's going to uh, make training camp a danger for him. He should be back. Um, all, all indications was he'd be back um, you know, before training camp next year. So uh, player to monitor, maybe a one-year prove it type deal. Frank Gore is also a free agent. Him and LaShawn McCoy, um, two, you know, one of the, two of the better running backs of the past – decade uh, both free agents uh, Gore is uh, actually ranks uh, according to number fire ranks lowest in terms of net expected points um, he's like minus 20 points in terms of his uh, value to the offense uh, get, you know, got another milestone this year in terms of uh, just keeps climbing the all-time rushing numbers um, but has seen you know, he's in the twilight of his career. Um, I actually think Buffalo would be well, uh, well placed and uh, create some value in the playoffs by running uh, some twenty personnel with uh, Devin Singletary and uh, T.J. Yeldon, who actually showed pretty well in Week uh, Seventeen, and basically mop up duty as uh, Singletary and Gore were were benched there. Well, Singletary was inactive and Gore was actually benched for, um, for some rest going into the playoffs. Uh, Yeldon actually looked pretty good and they could get Yeldon Singletary on the field. Uh, they haven't shown any tape of that this year and create some mismatches. It'd be an interesting way to try and 
create some offense for an offense that stagnated a little bit um, and has become basically a pass funnel um, to basically two receivers this year um, and Singletary. It'd be interesting if they got Yeldon on the field. I doubt that'll happen, but that's something I'm looking for in the playoffs without without much optimism. But Gore, uh, you know, whether he signs a, another deal to come back and be a veteran stopgap, uh, I think his days of fantasy viability are, are done. Um, he just he he doesn't have he's just a diminishing physical uh, player and the stats aren't particularly good so um, but it's been a great career McCoy um, he seems on the way down as well though Kansas City keeps doing this you know load management stuff with them I'm interested to see what they're uh, what they're gonna roll them out and do in the playoffs now that they have a buy um, does he get fresh he if you could try and do a you know, trade him for a third. I think that's probably the best you're going to do at this particular point. Um, but if he flashed off, could you do a third to a second upgrade, move a handful of picks up? Those things are always valuable. I would do that. I think he's, um, I think he's on the, the downswing of his career pretty, uh, pretty aggressively on the downswing. So, um, Blau Powell, uh, has been with the Jets for seemingly, um, a decade now. Uh, he's a free agent, uh, him and Spencer Ware, a lot of these guys, it's just, you know, you're looking, are they, uh, you know, are they free agents in the deep end of the off season? Um, or, you know, a guy like Ware was on, was on the waiver wire and picked up, uh, you know, <laughs> a couple months ago, less than, you know, or less than that. So, um, you know, Ware's back on IR. Um, but yeah, those are, those are, the bigger names that are that are out there in terms of free agency, um, restricted free agents. There's some a couple of interesting situations I think that are important to highlight. Kareem Hunt and Austin Eckler are both restricted free agents. Um, with the new, uh, the the continuing revolving door of uh, personnel uh, in the front office in Cleveland, John Dorsey out. Uh, Dorsey was a uh, was the person that brought Kareem Hunt, you know, was in Kansas City when Kareem Hunt came in uh, and then is, uh, you know, brings him, he has all of his legal troubles. Uh, he's brought to Cleveland, basically allowed to resurrect his career, does that uh, in large degree this year. And now Dorsey's gone. Kareem Hunt's due for, you know, he's a restricted free agent. I'm not sure what that necessarily looks like. Um, you know, we, have short memories on these things in terms of uh, the bad stuff that happens. Uh, and if you're, if you become a, a good citizen and sort of move on from it, you know, we tend to forget after the headlines pass. I think we tend to be a forgiving society in terms of the, the, a lot of those things, Mike Vick and some of the stuff with the baseball steroids, you know, if you take responsibility and, and you know, serve your penance and then come back and keep your head down, people, uh, not that they necessarily forget, but are willing to forgive to some degree. It's happened with Hunt, uh, but I'm not sure how that plays in the new front office. So that's something I'm watching. If he were gone, Chubbs, Nick Chubbs' uh, upside is just as really good. Um, he was spectacular this year with uh, with some less than great offensive uh, surrounding. Uh, 
you know, goings on. Not that there's there's plenty of talent there, but the more the goings on was was what the problem was. So, um, so that's that's a that's probably a top ten dynasty you watch in terms of storylines over the next three to four months. You know, pre basically stuff that's going to happen pre-draft. That's a big deal. So, keeping an eye on that one. Austin Eckler is also restricted free agent. Like I said, with Melvin Gordon, yeah, he's you know doubling and tripling them up in terms of expected points added um, and is going to be a, a fraction of the cost. So um, I, I wonder, you know, the, the caught my eye and it has been bugging me for the past like six months now about Philip Rivers' contract situation. He's an unrestricted free agent. Are they going to move on from him? If they move on from him, what's what's next season look like in terms of quarterback? Tyrod Taylor is under contract. Um He's a competent starter. Uh, he's not huge upside. I'm not sure how he fits with Eckler. In honesty, I watched him a lot in Buffalo, and I covered a lot of their their games for football guys uh, when he was in Buffalo. And I just I I'm not sure it's the best fit um, for for a guy like Eckler and and Tyrod Taylor uh, stylistically. It's just not really what Tyrod Taylor does as a as a passer. So that would be something to watch. Do they go and draft someone? Uh, you know, they have an earlier pick. Do they are they in the market? Um, Eckler is a really really good player. I think you have to keep in mind it's it's a low pedigree thing. I mean he was a he's a metric superstar. I mean he's a break the break the scales metric guy. Um, but he is a you know he is a, a smaller uh, division two. Um, no pedigree type of running back. So it's uh, important to keep that in mind. You know, usually I say when, if if you get someone uh, that you drafted outside the top 100 in a startup draft uh, or had an ADP 100 of a startup draft the prior year and they uh, are worth a first round draft pick, then the following year you should take it um, almost as a, almost as a general, well, as a general rule, um, uh, that's probably true with Eckler in terms of what his value is. He's might be the exception to the rule, but I think I'm usually pretty aggressive on doing that, um, especially if you're going to get if you're going to get something that's not at the tail end of the round. I think you're going to get uh, a pretty good upgrade in terms of pedigree and and all of those things and reset the clock a couple years on age. Um, I think the worst you'll do with a first round pick this year is a day two running back. Um, in a in a really good class, so um, th- that's a that's a good break even spot. So uh, that's a that's a good fail safe spot. So if you can do that, I'd probably do that for Eckler. Although um, I get the upside, I love the guy. I just think it's um, I think that's that's probably the safest. That's the safest long term option for Eckler. You might even be able to get if Gordon's going to walk. That might you know this isn't probably the time to do it. But if Gordon walks and Eckler's back, I think that might be the time to extract full value out of Eckler. Um, just the efficiency. He's a he's a, a fantastic player, and I, I love to watch him. He makes hell out of a out of any situation for a first defender. Um, but that. Only a couple of guys. I mean, Danny Woodhead and Darren Sproles are really the guys that have done that for a long time. Um, is it possible he's the next one of those? Absolutely. Um, both of them came from the Chargers uh, at some point during their career. Uh, is it possible he's the next one? Yes. Um, is that something that um, if I was paid uh, 
uh, mid first round rookie pick in 2020. Would I uh, hold on to find out? No, I'm shipping it. Uh, Matt Breida, uh, Dr. Chow always calls him a cyborg. You know, he's he was always winning the beast of the week on, on uh, playing through the high ankle sprain. It's a little bit of a clouded situation in terms of what their long-term thing is. I could very reasonably see um, Tevin Coleman has a has a movable contract, has a cuttable contract, is due uh, next to no money this year. I think he's due n- no money in 2020. Um, excuse me, no dead cap money in 2020. He's under contract, um, but they can get out of his contract for for basically no cost um, to their cap situation. And he's due about $5 million in 2020. I think that's a, a really movable uh, a, a, a scenario where we can really see movement happen. And that's a big deal. We've seen Mostert. Um, Jeff Wilson has been re- has been good for them. Um, Brita has probably been the um, – I think I like him the most as a player, and I don't think he's really – he's probably, of, of all the running backs there, has been the least impactful for fantasy. Um, but a uh, a good two-way – he's got good two-way ability. Um, and, you know, San Francisco is one of these teams that the Shanahan offense, through its entire family tree, has been uh, capable of finding guys off the scrap heap and at low cost, Terrell Davis and Landis Gary and Mike Anderson and Alfred Morris. And you could just go on and on with the running backs that they've had that, that have come from virtually no cost to be really, really good. And for some reason, I don't know, I'm not sure why, uh, San Francisco keeps spending up at running back in the offseason. So Jarek McKinnon two years ago, Tevin Coleman last year, um, they've, and they have found, I mean, they Moster and Jeff Wilson and Brita, um, and just keep doubling down on those, on those low cost guys, um, would seem to make a lot of sense. They do it well. I don't, I, some, for some reason they teams will do something really well and, and not just keep doubling and tripling down on it. Um, it's 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 quizzical, but Brita restricted free agent. Uh, I suspect he's probably back there. Um, if you could sell him for a second dynasty, I'd probably do it. But I don't think that's probably in the in the realm. If Coleman moves and that opens up that spot uh, to do that deal, I'd probably do it. Um, just from uh, you're going to get a better you're going to get a lot better profile. I think um, even though I love Brita, you're going to get a lot a lot better profile, and you'll probably get a clearer situation at some point in the next eighteen months than Brita's going to have in San Francisco. Um, Brian Hill also a restricted free agent. Um, he has been um, a guy. He was out of Wyoming. Uh, has a um, has a bounces around a little bit and then um, becomes basically uh, the fill-in for uh, a brief period of time in Atlanta. Doesn't show a whole lot, but has again these two-way ability guys, uh, and especially when they stick around. I, you know, I don't I don't know how we'd measure this, but whenever I see a guy that would that sticks around and is able to, you know, goes from one team to another and then you know, has, is, but is able to stick and, and play 
and stay in the league and doesn't get you know doesn't just wash out that, that says something to them their their what is it if it's their work ethic or their uh, you know, their ability to you know be coached or whatever it is uh, I'm not sure we can measure it but those things speak well to uh, to the player uh, in the intangible sense uh, so it's always interesting to watch those guys and sort of track those guys um, I, I don't think I don't think Brian Hill's going to be a fantasy starter or anything like that but he could latch on he continue to play that sort of uh, two-way backup uh, running back three in a roster type of role. Um, one player that I, I n- was notable, I thought, and uh, was a late season transaction that piqued my interest was Shimaje Pirine. Uh, I'm digging what Miami's doing in terms of the, some of their player development things. The fact that they uh, take him off the practice squad from Cincinnati late in the season. Uh, he's a restricted free agent. They can probably do a low tender on him, get him through the off season. He's he had good metrics coming out of Oklahoma, backfield mate to Joe Mixon. Uh, I I like the move, and it's one of these. Uh, they just keep doing these low cost. Let's kick the tires moves on on guys that they should do it on in terms of you know good profiles and just good metric profiles and like the Rosen deal. It didn't. It's ultimately not going to work out, but like that was a that was the right process. Uh, I continue to like what they do, and you know they've gotten Gesicki turned around, they gotten Parker on track. Like they're they're heading in the right direction. It's quizzical to me they fired their offensive coordinator, um, but uh, we'll sort of see. Um, I, 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 maybe that's personal. I don't know. It was that that decision was quizzical, but. Um, Chan Gailey is going to be there, a, a good offensive mind, uh, reunited with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I'm I'm wondering if they're going to go quarterback. I think it's a I, I think that they might be uh, one of these teams that just continues to build almost almost the way that Miami does, or excuse me that uh, that Cleveland did. They just kept building around uh, the quarterback and then ultimately went and got him. Um, it hasn't really worked out, and they're a dumpster fire of a front office but uh, or uh, yeah, really an owner ownership suite dumpster fire um but yeah i just uh, keep building around uh the the quarterback and run ryan fitzpatrick out there in 2020 and see um he has made a lot of people money in his career so there's worse things that could happen but p ryan is one of these guys that that is a good person for a team to take a bet on, like just to kick the tire bet to see. And the fact that it's Miami doing it, like that piques my interest. So he's a player I'm watching at deeper depths. Um, I, it's unlikely that there's anything there, there, but um, I'm, I am intrigued enough to, to monitor. Um, some notable other names, um, Gus Edwards and Jeff, the aforementioned Jeff Wilson, John Kelly, um, they're all uh, exclusive right free agents. Uh, I expect um, well, I expect Edwards. I actually like Edwards to be a potential 2020 backup. He's been uh, again low low pedigree, but they the Ravens uh, have a, a good trio in the backfield of Ingram who's under reasonable contract next year justice hill early day three pick and gus edwards uh coming back on a come back on a low number uh, i 
I kind of dig what they're doing at running back. I think Edwards is a really sneaky uh, running back handcuff, running back backup, backup running back type going into 2020. Uh, I think that he's likely to be back there. I think he showed pretty well. Jeff Wilson's another one, uh, exclusive right free agent. Uh, I think it's, uh, again, I just I want them to go full on zero RB. I want to see it done, and I want to see a Shanahan offense do it because they can right they're good enough at the the running game to to go full-on zero rb you know, let's go let's run out four undrafted guys and see what happens i think they could do it uh and jeff wilson's one of those guys uh has had has had a, a good season in terms of limited limited uh playing time but has flashed when he did play so um i'm i'm it's such a high value offense in terms of the running game that I'm paying a lot of attention to what happens because I think there's going to be a shakeup and I don't think, I don't think people are really thinking about what's going to happen in the 49ers backfield as we sit here in early January. Um, another name uh, just from recent rookie drafts is uh, John Kelly uh, exclusive right free agent for the Rams hasn't has, virtually not played it's been passed over um he had some supporters in the dynasty community a couple of years ago when he came out uh so that's just a name to monitor if he bounces around um reggie bonifant also in carolina he could be back there i think they probably address the position in some way shape or form there's some of the beating that they're putting on mccaffrey it just seems it just seems like a waste um but they're talking about locking them up and re-signing them one of the best ways that they could actually help their investment is to get them a competent uh player or two in the backfield to take some of the load off i mean you don't need to run them into the ground uh just continuously and you you could there's things that you could do that wouldn't really lower your offensive expectation of adding points uh, with a backup running back and they could preserve McCaffrey who's such a difference maker as a receiver um, and that's where he does a ton of his um, added value in the offense so um, those are some of the names that that we'll be watching uh, and a lot of that's a really good running back class in 2020 I'm wondering similar to how we talked about earlier uh, about the the Melvin the demand for a guy like Melvin Gordon or Derrick Henry, I'm wondering if that actually moves down the the really good running backs in this class, and you could see a scenario where there's only one or maybe maybe two uh, running backs going in the first round of this draft, and from a historic perspective, that there would be more that might deserve it. Um, but you could only see one or, or maybe even zero. I mean, it almost might be one of those perverse years where you get uh, there's so many good running backs that you actually uh, – it drives down the the demand because people just say, well, I can I can wait, I can wait. Um, and with how good of a receiving class it's, it's projected to be, and with the quarterbacks, we'll see with Tua, but Burrow's high and super flex like you – you could really get some value in the in the running back class with some really really good running backs, like in the mid and late first round that that would have been one hundred two one hundred three last year. So I'm it could be that it 
that the pool is so rich with talent this year that it actually drives down um, the the cost of some of these players. So that's something I'm really I'm really watching and interested in. I think that the running back we keep saying that running back doesn't matter and that there's a lot of that discussion about running backs uh, that are replaceable and all that stuff. I don't really think teams have bought onto that yet uh, in a in a mass systemic way. Um, so we'll see. There's still teams making mistakes and paying running backs, but um, it, 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 there's a point in which the it's so saturated the market that there's not that the demand is just going to dry up. So that might be what happens with a rookie running back class this year to some degree. Um, well, thanks again for joining me. Uh, again, this is uh, your host Jordan McNamara. You can find the Analytics of Dynasty the book over at the 2020 edition over at analytics at dynasty.com slash shop um, and find the Patreon material at patreon.com slash analytics at dynasty for as little as $4 a month. You can get uh, additional podcasts. We're doing free agency specific team by team contract situations. Now um, I been doing an article of the week series um, working on my working on dynasty tiers is a different way to look at rankings. Uh, we have our group me chat. Uh, I just recorded tonight and released actually uh, a, a interview and and um, strategy team building session with with one of the patrons. So uh, a lot of good stuff going on over there. Uh, for as little as four dollars a month, you can get in on that. Um, the group me chat is, is, is great. It's always good bouncing ideas back and forth off, off of each other and other good dynasty owners. And it, it, uh, is an invaluable source for me to have new ideas to think about, uh, and ways to analyze the game, um, that we love to play. So happy new year. Um, this is your host, Jordan McNamara, and I'm going to call it a show before I lose my voice anymore. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks.